morning, church, and it's so good to be with you this morning. Would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 131, beginning at verse 1 as we read together? The Word of God says this, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and I have quieted my soul. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And I thank you, Father, that our families can gather together today in our homes and still continue to learn your word. Father, I ask that you bless us today with your presence and help us to learn and apply this teaching to our lives this morning. And use me, Lord, for your kingdom glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As I began to read Psalm 131 this week, there's something that really stood out to me. And that's what David said. David said, I have quieted my soul. When he used the word soul here, he was talking about the inner him, the, your, your inner self, your thoughts, your, your emotions. So David was saying, I had to at one point in my life learn to quiet down my emotions, to quiet down my thoughts. That's so interesting to me. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Word of God. In other words, God says that we have to align our thoughts with His words. We are to have authority over our thoughts and our emotions. But sadly, today I believe a lot of people have it backwards. And the truth is their thoughts and their emotions have authority over them. And it breaks my heart because this is when people begin to truly live captive. This is when people begin to live with fear and panic and anxiety. Is when your thoughts and your emotions drive you and they control you. So when we look at the life of David, I see someone who went through great difficulty. I see someone who had a lot of trials in his lives. And when we look at David, we think about Goliath and the giants that he fought. We think about the battles that he went to through in the fields. We learn about David's public battles and public victories. But David had more struggle in his private life than he did in his public life. For example, we know that David struggled with personal sin and adultery and lust. We know that David had problems with his wife. We know that David had problems with his family at home. He had children that were rebelling against him and he had all this strife at home. David had friends that lied about him and betrayed him and David often wrote in the Psalms of being alone and discouraged and going to, to sleep weeping and crying throughout the night. It's obvious that David in his life had many problems. He had many trials and many setbacks. But David, when he wrote the book of Psalms 131, he said that he quieted his soul. He said, I have quieted my soul. When I read this, it really grabbed my attention. Because David here, 
He's being honest. When the Bible says he quieted his soul, that word quiet, it really means to be at rest, to be calm. But the fact that David said, I have quieted my soul, he's so honest that he's saying that there was a point in his life that his soul, his thoughts, his emotions were not rest, were not quiet. In fact, David is so transparent here that he's telling the readers that there was a point in his life that his emotions and his thoughts got the best of him. That David became overwhelmed with the situation in his life. But then David said that he learned how to quiet his soul. This morning, I want to teach us. I want to go through this and really learn how to quiet your soul. Because I believe that this morning, there are many of you that your thoughts and your emotions are getting the best of you. Your emotions and your thoughts are really not allowing you to live at peace and have joy anymore in the Lord. When our souls, when our thoughts and our inner selves and our emotions are not quiet, it means that we are not free from doubt. We're not free from fear and worry and and guilt and anxiety and our thoughts begin to run our lives. And when our thoughts begin to control us and our thoughts begin to rule over our hearts, we lose a lot of our peace. We lose a lot of the calm and the rest that Jesus Christ gave us authority to have. So when I think about this and I read this, I realize that there's a lot of us, especially in the times that we're in right now, that are restless. There are so many restless people fighting problems right now that have constant anxiety. There are people that are just trying to figure it all out. You're up against so much right now that you're thinking to yourself, I have so many problems, I have so many concerns, I have so many situations, I just don't know what to do. And it keeps you up at night. So many of us, we, we're worried right now about money and what's going to happen and am I able to feed my family and am I going to be able to pay my bills? There's so many of us trying to figure it all out. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in my future? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen in my life? And we put all this unnecessary pressure on ourselves and in our minds and in our emotions to try to make sense of everything. And we're trying to figure everything out. And we're trying to make things better and trying to find answers. And it's no wonder today there are so many of you that are restless. You can't enjoy your day. You can't enjoy your relationship with the Lord. You can't even sleep at night because you're trying to really make sense and figure it all out. In your mind right now, there's so many questions of worry. Your thoughts are constantly thinking this question of how and why and when and and what if. You're thinking about all the daily struggles that you have. In our world today, it's so easy to become restless. Just watch the news for an hour and see what it does to you emotionally. See what it does to your thoughts. 
when you hear the news and the economy and the struggle we have in our nation, and will we ever get back to normal? Will we ever find a vaccine for this virus? It's so easy to get caught up in all the news or bad news around you that you become restless. Just hang around a negative person for a while. Talk to them and you become restless because everything that comes out of their mouth is how bad things are and how difficult things is and how things are never going to change. In our world today, even within Christians, in the church, people of God are living life more restless than at peace. We're living life more restless than with joy. And it doesn't make any sense to me as a believer how we choose to live with restlessness when we have a God that said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. See, God expects you and I to rest, to have peace in the midst of crisis, in the midst of struggle. So even though it may be easy today in our life and in our culture to become restless, trying to figure it all out, the Bible teaches us here through David that he learned to quiet his soul. David, he took notice that his emotions and his thoughts were getting the best of him. So he reached a point that he disciplined himself to quiet his soul, to quiet his thoughts, to quiet and rest in his emotions. When I read Psalms 133, it showed me that we can learn through David the discipline that I believe every believer should have. And that's the discipline of quieting your soul. Are you restless this morning? Do you find yourself caught up in questions of what if and what am I going to do? Do you lose sleep at night? Are you constantly assuming or thinking the worst is going to happen? Then my friend, you and your soul are not quiet. God wants you to have a quiet soul. The Bible does teach us as believers how to quiet your soul, how to quiet your inner self that's causing you to have fear. In fact, this is something that David is going to teach us in Psalm 133. But before we learn this, I was reminded of Jesus. See, when Jesus was with his disciples crossing over the Sea of Galilee, the Bible says that there was a sudden storm that came. You know those storms in life that suddenly happen that you're not prepared for and you didn't see coming? This is exactly what all of us have gone through as a nation. This coronavirus that we've gone through for the last two months has really just come upon us unexpectedly. We've gone through things as a church unexpectedly. You've gone through things in your private life as a family unexpectedly. See, life is all about unexpected problems like the storm was in this passage. And as the disciples began to 
really have fear and panic and anxiety. The Bible says that they assume the worst. They really believe that they were going to die. Even though Jesus said they were going to get to the other side, they were going to make it. When that storm came, they forgot everything that Jesus said. And with fear and great panic, they looked at Jesus, and the Bible says he was sleeping. He was resting. See, Jesus had full faith in God the Father. He had such faith that he was able to rest, not after the storm was over, but during the storm. Because I believe, as Christians, we are instructed and commanded to rest in the midst of the greatest difficulties we go through. The truth is rest doesn't come in the absence of problems, but during problems when you trust in the Lord. But the disciples looked at Jesus and asked him this powerful question that must have broken his heart. Don't you care? See, when we're going through all these struggles and and people treat us unfairly and we're going through all these setbacks and hurts, we tend to think that God doesn't care. The disciples asked, don't you care that we're going to drown? But see, Jesus got up, rebuked the storm, and it was over because Jesus was demonstrating his power, his authority over the situations in our lives. And I say this as a reminder to you because in the book of Acts, you read that now Peter, one of the disciples who was in that boat, is in prison. You see that he's about to die the next day. They've already killed James. And they told him, you're going to die tomorrow. And the Bible says he was in chains. And guards surrounded him to make sure he would not escape. But see, when I read this this week, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came and woke him up. And my thought was, How can Peter sleep at a time like this? Knowing that you're going to be executed the next day, the majority of us would not sleep. We would be restless, trying to figure out how to get out of it, trying to really pray hard and tell God to deliver us. But see, Peter was asleep because he knew he could do nothing about the situation he was in, but just trust in the Lord. But I believe that Peter learned the discipline of quieting your soul to the point that you're able to rest. I believe that Peter learned that from Jesus in that moment of the storm. He learned that in the midst of the storm, if Jesus could rest, I could rest in the midst of my storm and my problem. So the Bible teaches us this principle of resting in the Lord, quieting your soul, quieting your thoughts and your emotions. Because I believe like Peter, you're in a situation that maybe you're trying to figure out right now. But you've lost your rest. You've lost your peace. That's why it's so important that we learn this discipline and this principle of quieting our soul. David teaches us 
through the book of Psalms how to quiet our soul. I love it because the Bible says in Psalm 131, as we go there, in verse 1, notice what David says. Lord, my heart is not proud. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But the Bible says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't. Notice how firm he was in this. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp or to handle. See, there are some things in your life right now you can confess and admit, I can't handle this right now. And maybe that's a good thing. David was honest with himself when he said, I can't grasp this. I can't figure it out. I can't handle this. So David is teaching us that sometimes in our lives, there are situations we can't handle. And that's okay. But notice what David said. I don't concern myself with things too great. See, this is how we begin to learn how to quiet our soul. How to quiet our thoughts and our emotions that have us restless. See, David said, I don't concern myself. So the first thing I want to teach you is that concern is okay, but worry is not. Let me say that one more time. Concern is okay. See, David said, I don't concern myself with matters too great, but that doesn't mean that he never concerned himself because I believe the Bible teaches us that concern is not wrong. Concern is not a sin. Concern is okay. But worry is not. In fact, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus often emphasized not to worry. But he never said, don't be concerned. There is a big difference between being concerned about something and being worried. When trouble comes, you simply have to ask yourself this one simple question. And if you are able to answer this question, you're going to know whether you should be concerned about it or not even worry about it. And here's the question. Get ready. Ask yourself, can I do anything about it? Can I do anything about what I'm going through right now? Think about your situation. What has you restless? Ask yourself that question as it pertains to what has you restless. Can you do anything about it? If the answer is yes, then be concerned about it. See, when you concern yourself to something, 
or about something. It means that you make an assessment of your situation. You're able then to make a plan. You're able to take action that allows you to make changes, to resolve issues. That's what it means to be concerned. That's why concerned is not wrong. Because you concern yourself with matters that you can handle. You concern yourself with situations that you can do something about, that you can change. But see, when it comes to worry, worry now looks at the situation and begins to focus and ask this question. What am I going to do? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And you begin to assume the worst. You begin to just tell yourself, well, what if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? And what if I'm not able? And you begin to doubt and question and fear. You're not really planning. You're not really resolving. You're not really assessing the situation. You're just worrying. That's why Jesus said, I do not want you to worry. In fact, if you are worried about something right now that you cannot control, you are in direct violation of God's word. The fact that Jesus says, do not worry, is a straightforward commandment. So if you are worried about something, that is clearly a sin before God. But you can have concern. Did you know that even God gets concerned? He never gets worried. But he does get concerned. Let me show you this in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, verse 25. The Bible says that God looked down. So God looked on the Israelites. Those are God's people. God looked down on the Israelite and was concerned about them. Did you know that God gets concerned? Did you know that God gets concerned about you? This is a passage that shows us that when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt to slavery, they mourned, they cried out to God, they were tired, they were stressed, they, were, they wanted a change in their life. And when God saw the pain they were in, when God saw the bondage they were in, the Bible said that God literally was concerned. So God concerns Himself for us. God concerns Himself about you. If God sees you in the life of sin, if God sees you hurting, if God sees you with a broken heart, if God sees you in bondage, if God sees you discouraged, God loves you so much that he actually concerns himself for you. And it's not wrong. But nowhere in the Bible are you ever going to read that God gets worried. See, when God looked down at the Israelites, he got concerned. He assessed the situation. He made a plan. He called Moses. He instructed Moses, go to Pharaoh. Set the Israelites free. 
God let them out of Egypt. God had a plan. God opened up the sea. God already had a plan. God had an answer. God had a solution. God was working. He was acting because that's what concern does. Concern answers a profound question. Can I do anything about it? If the answer is yes, then assess and do something. Change it. That's what it means to be concerned. But God never gets worried. God didn't look down at the Israelites and say, well, what are we going to do about this? God didn't say, well, what if we can't set them free? And and what if they don't listen? And, 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 And what if we're not able to really fix this problem? What if Pharaoh doesn't ever let them go? See, God never worries about anything because God is in control of everything. But he was concerned. The truth is, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, the same way God gets concerned over us, we need to get concerned over us. See, there's this false teaching going on that as a Christian, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're supposed to live this carefree life. You're not supposed to just, you're supposed to just live carelessly and that's not true. You're supposed to live with concern. If you're concerned about your family, if you're concerned about your health, if you're concerned about your future, that is in no shape or way a sin at all. It's actually healthy. You're never supposed to worry. You're supposed to trust God in all situations. But we are supposed to concern ourselves with our lives by answering the profound question, can I do anything about my situation? Let me help you out and break this down for you. Maybe you have health problems. You have to choose between concern and worry. Worry says, what if I die? What if I never get healed? What if I never come out of this? What if I leave my family behind? Who's going to take care of them? What if they never find a cure? That's worry. Concern says, I'm unhealthy. I'm sick. Can I do anything about this? If the answer is yes, I could change my eating habits. I can quit those bad habits. I can sleep more. I can take this medicine. That's concern. That's taking action. You should never, though, fall into worry. Maybe you have money issues. Right now you're financially in bondage and you're either concerned or worried about it. Worry says, what am I going to do about my finances? 
What if I lose my job? What if I lose my house? What if I lose my car? What if I can't pay my bills? What am I going to do? What if I'm homeless? That's worry. But concern says, can I do anything about this? If the answer is yes, you look at your bank statements. You see where you're mishandling your money. Maybe you need to stop buying things you don't need. Maybe you stop eating out so much. Maybe you save more in the bank. Maybe you learn to cut back and you begin to see your situation change. That's what it means to go into concern. Maybe it's your children. Your children are rebelling right now, making bad choices. As parents, you should be concerned, but never worried. You should never say, what if they never change? What if they never come back to the Lord? What if they never serve God at all? What if this is my fault? Concern says, could I do anything about this? If the answer is yes, then you assessed the situation. Maybe you need to spend more time with them. Maybe you need to pray with them. Maybe you need to be better examples as parents. See, that's what concern does. Concern begins to assess the situation and answer the question, can I do anything? See, as believers, we are never to fall victim to worry. Not only does worry do nothing to change your situation, It does everything to make you sick, to make you lose peace and hope. That's why Jesus said, who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? He said, worry does nothing. But concern can really change a situation. So when you ask yourself this question, can I do anything about it? You're probably thinking, well, pastor, what if I can't? See, how do you quiet your soul? You answer the first question, can I do anything about it? And if the answer is yes, you take concern for it. You make the changes, you apply the action, you do something about it. In fact, Many Christians not only think that we have to live careless and carefree, which is wrong, but many people think that God is supposed to do everything in your life. But when you concern yourself and you ask yourself this question, can I do anything about it? It doesn't mean that you're not trusting God. It doesn't mean you've lost faith in God, but you're taking responsibility for yourself. As Christians, you know, when you read the Bible, many people experience a miracle. Yes, absolutely. Jesus raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cured the blind. I mean, he did so much. But in the Bible, you read of a lot of conditional miracles. A conditional miracle is a miracle that happens as a response to what you did. For example, the Bible mentions many conditional miracles. First of all, the miracle of the sea opening up for the Israelites, like we read. 
the first thing before God even opened that sea for them. He told Moses, raise your staff. That's something that Moses could do. It was a condition. I'll open the sea after you raise your staff. There's a condition. When Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves and fed 5,000 men, 20,000 people together, before Jesus multiplied the bread, he told his disciples, go around and gather what you can. That's a condition. I can supply, I can multiply, but first I need you to do this. See, when you look at the Bible and you see that Lazarus was raised from the dead, that was a miracle, but Jesus first said to the people, roll the stone away. Why is this so important that we learn this? Because God is not always just going to do it for you. Many of you have not experienced the breakthrough that you want and desire because God is waiting on you to meet your end of the command, your condition to the miracle. So when you're waiting on God to do something, when God is waiting on you to do something, you stay stuck. And then you begin to ask God, why and why are you taking so long and why haven't you done anything? And it's because God is waiting on you to do something. Look at the widow in the Old Testament who was in debt. She needed a financial breakthrough. God didn't just come through and give her money. No, he told her through Elijah, go out into the neighborhood, gather as many pots as you can. So she went out, conditional. She went out and collected pots from all her neighbors. She brought them back home and set them, and she did what she needed to do. And then God produced the oil and the miracle and the breakthrough. My point is, breakthrough doesn't always just happen. Sometimes breakthroughs and miracles happen as a result of you doing something first and being obedient to God first. Do you find yourself stuck in a situation? In order to quiet your soul, you have to ask yourself, can I do anything about it? There's a condition. But some of us might be saying, well, pastor, what if I can't do anything about it? That is completely possible. David said it. Going back to verse 1, David said, I don't concern myself with matters that are too great. Did you know that David is saying, there are some situations in my life that are too great for me to handle? Too great for me to really figure out? See, this is a situation that God says, this is only going to happen with me and through me. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no condition to me. You're going to have to wait and trust in the Lord. Maybe some of you are in that situation right now that you're saying, I, I can't do anything about this. Going back to some of those examples, 
for those who do have health problems. You've gone through the doctors, you've, you, you've checked yourself out, you've taken the medicine, you've gone through the treatments, but you've gotten worse and nothing's gotten better. And now it's too much for you to handle. What if you have money problems and you looked for a job, you lost your job, you got laid off, it wasn't because of anything you did, it was just because of this, this virus and now you don't know how you're going to pay the bills but you're trying to make it, but it's beyond you right now. This is a situation greater than you. What if you have a child that is rebellious? You've prayed with them. You've taught them the Bible. You've brought them to church. You've showed them the truth, but they continue to just rebel against God and, and do what they want to do. What do you do then if it's too great? The Bible says what David said. You don't concern yourself with it. What does that mean now? You ask yourself, number two, the same question. Have I done anything about it? Can I do anything about it? And if the answer is no, then you entrust it to God. That's why I love, for example, the woman in the Bible that says she had an issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says that she went to doctors first. And people say, oh, she should have gone to Jesus. She wasted her time on doctors. No, she didn't. Jesus wasn't there 12 years ago. The Bible says that she did what she could, what she knew to do. She concerned herself with her health. She went to the doctor's appointment. She spent the money on the medicine. She went to the treatments. But after 12 years, nothing worked. But then she said to herself, I need to involve Jesus. Did you know that when David used the word concern, it's a Hebrew word that means to involve? So there are some situations you need to involve only God in. And you need to get away from it and trust God. If it is your health, if it is your finances, or if it is a child, sometimes it's difficult but you need to step back and trust God. David said, I'm not, I'm not going to concern myself with things that are greater than me. That's how you quiet your soul. When you answer the question and answer it and say, I can't do anything about it, you trust God. Luke 15, Jesus told the prodigal about the prodigal son who ran away from home and took all the money on wild living and sin. I'm sure the father tried to instruct him in this parable. The, the father tried to instruct him and teach him, I would imagine. But there came a point he could do nothing about the child. He had to let him go, but God took care of him. He had to lose everything to come to his senses. Sometimes you need to just trust that child over to God. I thought about Samson, who was a rebellious child as well. His parents taught him the word of God. His 
Father instructed him, out of all the people in Israel, why do you have to go to ungodly women? He was giving him instruction, but Samson was stubborn and wanted to do what he wanted to do. There came a point that the father and mother had to surrender him over. And God handled it. So like the woman with the issue of blood, sometimes you have to just involve God. And stop involving yourself. Maybe it's people in your life that are making your life impossible. They're hurting you constantly with their actions, with their words. And you're saying, well, God, I'm concerned. I'm I'm trying, but they get worse. They keep hurting me. What do I do? You trust God. Involve Him. The Bible says in Romans to let God take over. He said, you do your best to live at peace with people. You do what you need to do, but if that doesn't work, leave room for my wrath. In other words, God said, let me get involved and take care of that person. I wonder how many situations in your life are you trying to figure out? Are you trying to fix when only God can fix it. There are some things in your life God does not want you involved in right now. But He wants you to trust Him. This is what David learned. This is how David quieted his soul. He learned the discipline. This amazing principle and discipline on quieting your soul. It involved David just answering the question, could I do anything about it? If the answer was yes, David would handle it. If the answer was no, he would trust God. And in doing this, he never allowed worry to settle anymore. He rested. In other words, his emotions and his mind, his thoughts, were at peace. Because he knew, I did everything I could. Now, it's up to God. So as we close this morning, maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning. And you're going through situations that have you up at night, that have you in tears and have you worried. And you're thinking to yourself, and what if, and what if I can't handle this? What if I can't fix this? And what if this goes wrong? And you've allowed your mind and your emotions to fall into worry. Maybe you're stuck right now because you should have concerned yourself, but you didn't. And you're waiting on God to do something when God is waiting on you to do something first. Whatever the situation, could you do anything about it? I want you to think about right now that situation that has you restless. That problem, that person, whatever it is or whoever it is. And ask yourself, go ahead, could I do anything about this? If the answer is yes, 
May the Lord give you wisdom and discernment in what you need to do. May He guide you. May you have the strength right now to take action, to get up and have the courage to do something once and for all and stop waiting on God to do something you can do yourself. Change your life already. But if the answer is no, I've done all that I can. I I can't fix this. I can't handle this. I can't do anything about this. And rather than allowing worry to settle, do like David and make the declaration, I am no longer going to concern myself for this matter is too great for me. Whatever situation is greater than you is never greater than God. So you now have to surrender it to Him and wait and be still. And the Lord will renew your strength. Let's pray together this morning. As a church, we've gone through a lot these past two months. At home in your family, you've gone through a lot. Clearly this virus we've gone through as a nation was greater than us trying to figure it out, but it's not greater than God. Through all of this, I've seen God's hand sustain us. I've seen God's hand sustain you. And the Lord has been good in all of this. So don't become restless any longer. Don't worry anymore. Quiet your soul. Quiet your mind. Quiet your emotions. If it's too great for you, give it to the greatest, God. But if you can't handle it, do something about it. And that's how you quiet your soul. That's how you get set free from worry and anxiety. Let me pray for you before we close. And as we pray, I just pray that the Lord will continue to bless you with his word. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for this lesson of how to quiet our soul. Lord, there are many people here that are restless now, trying to figure it all out, worried for nothing. I pray, Lord, that for anyone here today that's going through something like David that's greater than them, may they no longer concern themselves about it, but surrender it to you. But Father, if there is a situation that's not greater than us, we can handle. I pray that you give us through your Holy Spirit discernment and wisdom on how to act how to make changes, what to do, so that we can do it. For those who need a miracle, Father, we know that miracles come when we meet the condition or sometimes when we don't. They just happen. But in all things, we give you thanks. We trust you. 
and we leave it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I pray that you live a life now free from worry. Concern yourself with what you need to concern yourself with and trust God with the rest that you can't concern yourself with anymore. May the Lord bless you and may he keep your thoughts and your emotions at rest as he continues to work in your life. God bless you. I'll see you next week.